Hello, this is Dr. Daniel Vanning, and welcome to this week's parenting podcast. Is this worthy of crying? When our kids were younger, we would ask the questions. If you are running and trip and smash your head against this table corner, is this worthy of crying? And they all said yes. If you want a cookie before bed and you hear no, is this worthy of crying? They said no. If you are running on the sidewalk and you trip and you scrape both knees badly to where both legs are badly scratched up, maybe there's blood on both legs, is this worthy of crying? They said yes. If you want to watch a movie on a school night, but we have to finish our homework, do some reading, and get to bed early, is this worthy of crying? They said no. So we can go on and on with examples. Let's review crying for a minute. So crying or weeping is the shedding of tears, right? Welling of tears in the eyes in response to an emotional state, pain, or physical irritation of the eye. Emotions can lead to a crying uh, that includes sadness, anger, and even happiness. The act of crying has been defined as a complex phenomenon, right? So this is the shedding of tears from the, from the lacrimal apparatus without any irritation of the ocular structures. Instead, giving a relief which protects from conjunctivitis. A related medical term is lacrimation, which also refers to non-emotional shedding of tears. So other forms of crying are sobbing, weeping, wailing, whimpering, bawling, right? Um, There's different kinds of crying. Um, So one is the basic cry, right? This is a systematic cry with a pattern of crying and silence. Um, So there's a brief silence followed by another cry. And for babies, hunger is a main stimulant of the basic cry, right? Then there's the anger cry. Um, In the anger cry, more excess air is forced through the vocal cords and making it a louder, more abrupt cry. Um, Then you have a third cry is the pain cry. Um, So unlike the other two, this has no preliminary moaning. The pain cry is one loud cry. And most adults can determine uh, whether an infant's cries signify anger or pain. So crying is an important safety valve. It's, It's largely... Because keeping difficult feelings inside, what psychologists call repressive coping, can be bad for our health. So studies have linked repressive coping with a less resilient immune system, cardiovascular disease, and hypertension, as well as mental health conditions like stress, anxiety, and depression. Crying has also been shown to increase attachment behavior, encouraging closeness, empathy, and support from friends and family. Now, Leo Newhouse, he's a contributor at Harvard Medical School, he said it's safe to say that 2020 gave us more than enough to cry about. An interesting point when raising children, especially boys, according to Harvard Medical School, you know, from early on, boys are told that real men don't cry. When these boys grow up, they may stuff their feelings deep inside and withdraw emotionally from their loved ones. Or they may self-medicate with alcohol or drugs or even become suicidal. Many men therefore need to learn the skills of how to reconnect with their emotions. 
So back in the 1990s, the poet Robert Bly, he led men's seminars at which he taught the participants how to get in touch with their long-buried feelings of sadness and loss. But let's get back to raising children and how parents ought to view crying. Again, crying from an emotional state or pain by a child needs to be encouraged. Crying by boys should be encouraged as much as it is for girls. And crying should be met with comfort, kindness, care, loving attachment, hugging, consoling, kind and gentle and compassionate words by the parents, and especially warmth by the father. But when should the behavior not be reinforced? Again, is this worthy of crying? How about crying on the baseball field? Tom Hanks famously said, there's no crying in baseball. Seriously, consider a 10-year-old who cries not because he was injured, but because he's having a temper tantrum, throwing his glove and yelling at teammates, just being a bad teammate. What is the right response in sports psychology? So I see a lot of youth athletes and uh, one of the goals that we set out is how to be a great teammate. So this behavior, this should be addressed behaviorally because this behavior is unacceptable if you want to be a great teammate. When I was in the seventh grade, I kicked over some chairs while crying and upset. I was mad because I was taken out of the basketball game. My mother addressed my behavior. She said, I don't want to ever see that again. Was she correct? Absolutely. She addressed my behavior not my feelings. A father recently told his seven-year-old son to stop crying. His son walked off the field because his father threw an interception. There was miscommunication on the play call. His dad thought the play was a quick out. The son thought it was a deep out. It resulted in an interception. The son began to cry and walked off. As every son and every child does. The father, father brought him back to the field and told him to stop crying. Did the father do this correctly? Absolutely. He also told his son to never walk off or quit a game. You know, in our family, we never quit a game. This is about teaching life lessons. Life isn't always about validating feelings. You know, children are already oversensitive to their own feelings. If we validated every feeling and focused entirely on feelings or self-esteem, we, should end up, we would end up with a lot of kids wallowing in self-pity or giving up. So a child quits. And so when we talk about a father who is warm, a child quits and cries. One might argue the father should warmly validate the son's feelings, his fear, and drive him over to get some ice cream and help him to feel better. No, you know what we need is, we need fathers to tell the child to not quit, encourage the child to be brave, and reinforce it, the child's self-regulation. Should a parent tell a child to stop crying? Sometimes, think about it. We want kids to learn to reflect on their reactions. We also want to emphasize appropriate crying from inappropriate crying. I have a client who is a mom and she began working 
on a worthy to cry list with her children. It's a great idea, much like what we did when our kids were young. So I was talking to a mom and and at 8.20, her husband told Lisa that it was time to sleep. You know, Lisa is 10. Parents agreed on the bedtime. Lisa did not want to follow the directions. She wanted to negotiate sleep time. And at this time, the parents observed that she was already very tired and she began to cry. She was told that she would lose the laptop for one day if she didn't listen, if she didn't follow directions. She continued to stand in the hallway and cry. Now, just for the sake of anyone listening, wanting to cover all angles, there were no medical issues. There was, there was not an attachment issue. This was behavior. Every common sense parent who has experienced this situation will agree that this is not a time to show compassion and emotional support. Of course, there is a time for that. There is also a time for firm boundaries, consequences, and loving parenting. Do I acknowledge that some parenting experts from the attachment parenting model view this differently? Absolutely. The question still remains, are there times that are worthy of crying? Absolutely. Are there times, are there situations when this is not worthy of crying? Absolutely. This is Dr. Daniel Van Ingen with this week's parenting podcast. Is this worthy of crying?